Father, this morning, we come to you. You are our real Father. You have loved us with an everlasting love, everlasting love. Everywhere we go, we see this incredible kindness and the love of God towards people. We need over and over to say like the psalmist, who are we, O God, that you are mindful of us. How could a God so awesome stoop to reach and touch the poorest, the most ignored, the most unknown among us and call us his own, his own Pray, Father, today, you'll hear your voice once again during the ministry of the word, that you would touch our ears, sanctify it with the blood of your son, that we might hear your voice, believe, obey, and see the power of the Spirit of God flow into our lives, and through our lives, and touch other lives, that they too may know the love of the Father. Help us to be vessels of honor in the hands of this incredible, awesome God. Help us, Lord. Prepare us every time we come together in your name. Thank you, thank you, Father, thank you. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Like I said, the the basic principle of today's message will be about work, but we'll be looking at truth. And the title of today's message is Grace and Not Disgrace at Work. Okay, Grace, Not Disgrace at Work. We know, if you've been there with us consistently, we've been looking from the book of Ruth for quite a few weeks, quite a few weeks. We are learning, we are not doing a word by word study on the book of Ruth, but we are learning concepts from the kingdom of God using the little four chapter book in the Old Testament there hidden between the book of Judges and First Samuel. How we can learn from the absolute complete surrender consecration of a young mobile Gentile widow which will lead to not only her redemption, but also in so many ways, the redemption of Israel through her. Because David and later Jesus will come through that line. That Jesus was proud to call Ruth one of his mothers. Because when you open the new covenant, you will see the women who are given prominence in his genealogy. The first chapter are all Gentiles. Starting with Tamar, must have been a Gentile, who by faith, and then Rehab, who was a Canaanite prostitute, by faith, and then Ruth, a Moabite widow, by faith, and then of course the unnamed one, Bathsheba, the mother of Solomon, again, by faith, and then the fifth one, is the only Hebrew lady mentioned there is Mary, his own mother. So how God, so true to his word, he picks the weak, the foolish things of this world to confound the wise and the powerful. So we can feel 
comfortable in the house of God because the only thing that matters in the house of God and with God is faith. Faith. That's why we come and we spend so much time hearing and studying the word of God because the only thing that matters for you to be victorious in the kingdom of God is faith. Because without faith, it is impossible to please God. And with faith, you can please God. It is really possible to please God with faith. What did all this motley group of people you see in the Bible characters, starting with Abel in Genesis 4, to John the the Apostle in the last book, Revelation, what did all these people have that they pleased God? Simple, common, Faith, by faith. Faith in God, faith in the goodness of God, and faith in the power of God, and faith in the faithfulness of God. That's why scripture says our faith is more precious than gold. Therefore, our faith is tested, is tested. But remember, though we hear the word and we've been consistently been hearing the word, the most necessary ingredient that we need when we hear the word of God. Hebrews 4.2 will say. For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. They also heard the word. We also hear the word. But the word which they heard did not profit them. If you want the word that you are hearing today. To profit you. The word you have heard in the past to profit you. The word you will log in online and listen. If you want the word which you read in your daily meditations to profit you. Scripture says you have to mix it with faith. You have to mix it with faith. Faith is the most necessary ingredient. You take it out. Everything you do in the kingdom of God falls ground to the ground. You mix it with faith, it works. They did not mix it with faith, therefore it was of no use to them. Though they probably knew the Torah by heart. Unlike us, every Jewish boy is taught to learn the scripture by heart. They knew it by heart, but it was of no use to them because they did not mix it by faith. So God says we have to mix it by faith. Otherwise, it will be of no use. We have to believe. That is that mixing by faith. We have to believe. How do you and I know? Now we will say, Lord, Pastor, I believe. But how do I know I believe? In the world, it's very simple. Because for everything, you have a practical. Okay, you know, sight has its its ways of which you can prove. How do you know you went to church? Well, here I am. I will take a selfie if you don't believe me. Right? <laughs> okay. So, you have. But how do you and I know that we have believed? How do you know? Scripture gives you the proof how every individual believer will know whether you are walking by faith or sight. The proof is given here in verse 3. Verse 3. Please go back to verse 3. Sorry. For we who have believed do enter that rest. How do you know you have believed? How do you believe you have believed? Answer is rest. In the midst of our problems, our trials, our tribulations, even as debilitating sickness, where you are not even able to rise from your bed, you still have rest. Because you have believed. It's not a matter of sight. It's a matter of faith. But how do you know your faith is real? Is because you experience rest inside. You experience rest in the midst of your storms. Rest, not restlessness. Rest. 
Therefore Stephen at the point of his death has absolute rest and sound mind and real love of God to be able to forgive those who are killing him. Peter supposedly the day before according to his knowledge day before his execution in the Bible is fast asleep because he has rest and Paul and Silas I keep saying are able to worship with a broken back and legs talked legs rest any situation this is the key that you have believed you enter that rest that's the promise god gave moses you're going to face incredible pressure like no man on the world has ever faced the next person after him will be his own son jesus who will face pressure what ministry means the pressure moses faced but he told him i will give you rest in exodus 33 and verse 14 he said you know what <clears throat> he said my presence will go with you and i will give you rest i will give you rest connected to connected to you will come to an incredible understanding and a secret when i walk by faith irrespective of what my outward circumstances i have rest inside and that also is the absolute proof god is with me we asked couple of sundays back how do you know if god is for you because we say if god is for me who can be against me but how do you know god is for you it's rest it is rest in your midst of your pressure you are able to come to church nothing stops you because you know i have rest god is with me i have believed i have rest and i know my god is with me that's why we preach the word day in and day out because we need faith and more faith and a maturing of our faith because faith leads to more and more and more rest this is not a physical rest this is a spiritual rest and you experience and i experience more and more and more of the presence of god got it now let's get into ruth we've been looking at ruth we've been looking at famine we've been looking at three women caught on the road to judah naomi orpha ruth different decision choices they make and we make we make different choices god says choices you have free to make ultimately choices will determine who you are where you end what you become in eternity and she alone ruth alone hangs on to naomi and makes her consecration and pastors theologians down the centuries for thousands of years have been studying volumes upon volumes literally hundreds and thousands of sermons have been preached on the words Ruth stole Naomi that sevenfold consecration of Ruth still stuns the whole believing world till today from the time it was written till today no human being other than Christ has ever spoken words like that her commitment to a mother-in-law when her spouse is dead and her future lies in going back to her own parents house there where she says and the first fold we said it is a seven fold consecration like samson seven locks it's our consecration that gives us our strength when we are consecrated from the world and consecrated unto god our strength comes from that and the first fold of her consecration was where you go i will go where you go i will go 
the question is to be asked is can i be led can i be led the question is not making a pronouncement where you go i will go the question i have to ask myself is am i a person who can be led can i be led you see this movement which led to naomi and ruth going to bethlehem was not started by either naomi or ruth the whole thing was orchestrated by god in ruth chapter 1 and verse 6 the scripture says she arose with her daughters in law that she might return from the country of moab for she had heard the country of moab that the lord had visited his people by giving them bread what brought them back they heard the lord had visited bethlehem and he has giving his people bread visited them by giving them bread remember we are living in extraordinary times like never before materialism or worldliness is at its heights like never known to man in human history while on the other side knowledge of god divine knowledge is also like never seen since the days of the apostles what is available today but the question is can we be drawn from the fields of moab or the world to bethlehem can we be drawn from the world to the house of god where there is true bread can we be moved is the question will we feast on the meats of egypt or will we live on the basic sustenance in the wilderness like israel and dream about the meats of egypt because we don't have the power or the money to buy it or get it or will we allow god to lead us so that we can eat and experience the best of god the true bread god's plan is always that in joshua chapter 5 verses 10 to 12 scripture says now the children of israel camped in gilgal this is the new generation which crossed from the wilderness into the promised land crossed the river of death jordan have circumcised so their consecration is complete now in the eyes of god the reproach of egypt is rolled away they are consecrated and scripture says they kept passover and they ate of the produce of the land on after the passover unleavened bread and parched grain on that very same day what did they do the first time israel is eating in 40 years the grain of the land and verse 12 will say what happens immediately then manna ceased on the day after they had eaten the produce of the land manna ceased manna ceased now they are eating barley and corn what does it mean manna is basic sustenance the superficial meaning of the word what does manna give you enough strength to walk it's the same thing every day you open you read one psalm and just think thank you lord and go back and dream about the world that's what israel did for 40 years they had clothes yes they had shoes yes basic provision is all taken care of it's like living in the army they give you uniform they don't give you other clothes they give you rations they didn't give you biryani that's how they lived basic that's how christians live when it comes to the life of christ jesus because 
they always have this fear if i am consecrated oh i will lose in this world but the consecrated here in physical term started eating what god had to offer they started going into the depths of god the barley the corn they started eating the best that is the purpose of circumcision or consecration that god can give us more he can reveal us more and more so that we have more and more strength now to face our adversities the enemies you faced in the wilderness and the enemies they will face in canaan are absolutely different they're going to make more powerful enemies more powerful cities so consecration means you will lead to greater battles so that you can have greater victories so that god can give greater glory that going ahead with god we never lose out on god we'll only increase in our dependence and our enjoyment of god himself which is life that's what psalm 34 verse 10 says about god scripture says the young lions lack and suffer hunger but those who seek the lord shall not lack any good thing they lot even the young lions with all their energy and vitality go hungry for weeks but not those who seek the lord so scripture says about ruth and naomi how when did they come chapter 2 begins okay before we go to chapter 2 i think we need to go to chapter 1 and the final verses which i missed out because that's important the final verses yes verse 22 chapter 1 verse 22 i didn't give it to you chapter 1 verse 22 so naomi returned ruth the moabites with her, da- her daughter in law with her who returned home from the country of moab now they came to bethlehem at the beginning of what the barley harvest basically you have to read it spiritually because the problem is we read it at history and forget it they are coming and god is opening up a door that you can enter into a more fullness of christ that is available to a deeper life of jesus christ they are coming at the time of that harvest but the question is two young widow no two widows have come two poor widows have come will they partake of that barley harvest can they partake of the barley harvest we all have come into the house of god and depending upon how you have come it's the same word that is being preached either you will take manna and go or you will eat barley and go and if you are even more prepared you will not only have barley you will have parched corn which boas your heavenly redeemer will give to you he will even give you bread dipped in vinegar and say sit by my side and partake from my hand depends upon how you come in the house of god all things are available to those who believe or you can go empty also depends on what you believe the house of god So when chapter 2 begins of Ruth begins chapter 2 verses 1 there was a relative of Naomi's husband a man of great wealth of the family of Elimelech his name was Boaz so Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi please let me go to the field and glean heads of grain after him in whose sight I might find favor and she said to her go my daughter then she left and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers and she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz who was of the family of Elimelech Boaz we know is a type of Jesus our kinsman redeemer you know the law of Israel if a man dies without issue then the nearest relative redeems redeems 
Okay, so Boaz is a kinsman redeemer of Elimelech and his two sons. Two widows are there. He can redeem Naomi or he can redeem Ruth because he's the kinsman redeemer. Okay, remember, Jesus is our kinsman redeemer. But Jesus, our kinsman redeemer can redeem us only when you and I die to the law. We are married to the law. Dharma, religion, we are married to it. Unless religion and law dies, he cannot redeem us. The religion and the and the law will never die. It cannot die. Religion, law cannot die. It is like God. So what should die? You and I should die. That's what baptism means. I am dead and I have been redeemed. I am dead and I am redeemed. Now he can redeem me because the law will not die. I have to die to the law. And then we are redeemed. So there is the redeemer there. But there is a problem. Grace is available. Grace can redeem anybody. Anybody. Only one condition. You need to be redeemed. Grace can redeem only the humble. Why? Because grace is given only to the humble. Twice in the New Testament, both James and Peter will say, God gives grace to the humble. More humble you are, more grace you receive. Why? Because God himself is humble. He's meek and he's lowly. Therefore, he can only lead the lowly and the humble. The proud go before God. The humble are led by him. The proud Moses went ahead of God at 40. The humble Moses was led by God at 80. Naomi was too proud to go to Boaz for help. Though Boaz is rich and she is her redeemer. She wouldn't even tell Ruth. That I have a close redeemer who is wealthy called Boaz because of her pride. Are you getting the picture? She didn't tell. Why is Ruth redeemed? Why can Ruth be redeemed? And we need to ask, can I be redeemed and led continuously by God? Because verse 2 is the key. If you look at verse 2, scripture says over there, verse 2, it says, Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, please let me go to the field and glean heads of grain. Who said? She said, please let me go and clean. Gleaning in the law was the work of the poorest. It is like being a beggar. The law said, the edges of the field, the crop should be left over there for the poorest of the poor in Israel. So that they will have something to eat. Meaning, it was for the beggars. And Ruth probably came from a, a decent family in Moab. Is saying, mom, will you let me go and beg so that you and I can eat? Please, let me go to the field and glean the heads of grain. Gleaning is a very hard work. It's not easy. Harvesting is easy. Easy. Gleaning. Whatever they have left, picking it up. What has fallen, picking it up. It's a very difficult job. Gleaning is not easy. It's a very difficult job. It involves hard work too. It means mixing and jostling with the poorest. You know how beggars fight if you throw something? And you have to bear all the rebukes of the 
reapers. When the reapers are going and things are falling, if you get too close, they will shout at you. Because they treat you like that. And she says, will you let me go and glean? She was humble and she was willing to serve. Like I said, she could have come from a good family. See, this is our inherent problem. Our inherent problem is we don't realize God sees people. He saw Ruth, her willingness to serve her mother-in-law and make herself nothing in the process. God watched Rebecca. The first question asked to Rebecca is that how much did you study? Do you have an MBA? First thing the watching of Rebecca is, I will ask you a question. Give me a little water. And he's saying, Lord, let her not be a one-mile lady. I want a two-mile lady for my master. I said, let her say, yes, my Lord, I will give you water. And also I will water your, your camels also. Okay. The problem is we have not found inherent dignity in work. Our major issue is that we have decided certain work has dignified and certain work has not dignified. We forget our Redeemer was a carpenter. Often. There is incredible grace available at the workplace. Whatever your work may be. Grace. For those who are humble. Ruth will find grace in the eyes of her earthly Boaz and also in the eyes of her heavenly Redeemer. And that's why I want to keep my message on that. Whether you are a student, whether you are an employee, whether you are a housewife, it doesn't matter. We all work. And there is inherent dignity in the work anyone does, unless you are a crook. There's no dignity in it. There's iniquity in it. But otherwise, every work, there is dignity. And we should be willing to work anything the Lord leads us to. Sometimes God leads people and shuts the door. And say, Lord, I'm looking for a work. He says, there is work, but you don't want to do it. You don't want to? Do it. Lord, that's below me. Oh, yeah. Below my? Dignity. Of course, carpentry was above his dignity. Okay, the son of God, the creator of the universe. Okay. The problem is, this is all stuff in Indian heads in India. The same people, when they go to America with an MD, if they don't get a job, they will do a car wash. That's the problem. Here, no. I'm waiting for my breakthrough. Your breaks wear off finally and you haven't come through yet. <laughs> Brake pads is gone, liner is also gone, your breakthrough hasn't come yet because we have associated. I, 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 I hear and I, I love my young kids when they said, yeah, during the summer break they went and they were a salesman at this shop and they made, I said, wow, that's good, that's good. I wish in my time it was possible. Though our day there was nothing you could do. You had to pluck the grey hair from your father's head if you needed some work. And you get 10 paise per hair. That is your pocket money you made. Okay, but now opportunities are there. If you really want to work, 
really want to work during your summer break, there are works available. You can go, you can work in a hotel, you can work as a salesman. There is always salesman needed sell this thing. Are you willing to work and make some money instead of sitting there and playing games? People are not willing to work because they don't see dignity in any work. They, they don't see it. In Proverbs 14 and verse 23, scripture says, in all labor, there is profit. All labor, there is profit. But idle chatter leads only to poverty. What is this idle chatter? I'm waiting for my breakthrough. That's called idle chatter in modern terms. But in all labor, there is profit. All labor, there is profit. So, many people hate work. Those who work, hate work, the work they do. And they dislike their workplace. Even believers. Let's leave unbelievers out. We are talking to believers. They hate the work they do. And they hate the workplace. Some people very religiously just endure their workplace. They don't enjoy. For them, their work and their workplace is like Solomon's letter. Vanity. Vanity. It's all meaningless. But that was a fellow who went down the road. That is why it all became meaningless. Why should it be meaningless for us? We should be enjoying our work and enjoying our workplace. And these same people, I hope you are not among them, only those who are listening online, they also love God and they serve God. But they usually in their minds serve God after work. Meaning when they come to church, they look for some place where they can serve God without realizing you are supposed to serve God wherever you are. So without realizing, unconsciously they have kept a negative prophecy of Jesus Christ. You end up serving two masters. When you are supposed to have only one master, both at your workplace, at your home and at church, only one master. You end up with two masters because mentally we have divided. Matthew 6, 24 says, no man can serve two masters for either he'll be loyal, hate one and love the other or else he will loyal to one and despise the other. So you will see Christians are divided into two. They're either loyal to their workplace and they dislike coming to church or they hate their workplace, they go there, it's drudgery for them, and they love coming to church. God says, no, it should be the same. Because we have only one master. And wherever you are, you serve me and me alone. You should enjoy your work and your workplace. Problem is, we neatly divide our lives as secular and as sacred. So to serve God, we say, I'm waiting for the call of God. God said, I called you long time ago and you're supposed to be serving me in your company. But you are not. In the Old Testament, there were priests and God's people. In the New Testament, there are only priests. In the Old Testament, there was a temple where people went to. In the New Testament, the people who worship God in spirit and truth have become the temple. And it is the temple now who goes to the people and not the people who come to the temple. In the Old Testament, certain days were separated as holy days. In the New Testament, every day is holy. Because we only serve God and God doesn't matter where we are. 
in the old testament the levites were in full time service to god in the new testament everybody is in full time ministry your job may be different so it doesn't matter what work you or and i do in your office or school you can bring a different work culture there it's called the kingdom culture because you know who owns this earth Also remember, for IT companies, let's say Shrikar here for an end. Imagine he's com- com- working for, I forgot the company he was working for. But he realizes in under six months time, Microsoft is acquiring his company. Okay. Though he's working for a company now, he knows six months time, Microsoft is acquiring his company. So he knows ultimately he has to work for whom? Microsoft. And it is not a merger. You have economic terms called it's a hostile takeover. It's a very hostile takeover. That's what the Bible says in Revelation 11 and verse 15. The seventh angel sounded and said, There were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So if you're working in Microsoft and Jesus comes, you will see Bill Gates' picture going. And another picture there, what Jesus looks like. He said, always belong to me. You didn't realize all these companies are mine, not theirs. I am the real owner. And I was watching who you really worked for in those companies. There's a takeover coming. It's a hostile takeover. And it will be for ever and ever. So God says the smart ones are the ones who already know who they are serving. And they will serve him always. So believers, you and me should really know who our real boss is in the workplace. And him we serve. Doesn't matter where he sends you. So Joseph served God in the Egyptian court. Daniel served God in a Babylonian court. And the Moabite Ruth, the Gentile Ruth in Boaz field are all picture studies of how we are called to work. Daniel in modern terms was hounded by other bureaucrats. There was selective leaking like you see in US now from the bureaucrats how to bring this fellow down. Okay? He ended up in the lion's den only because he served the living God in his workplace. Only because he served the living God. If you ended up, end up in prison, it's because, only because not you stole money from your company or stole information from your company, but because you served your living God in your company. Then you should get dismissed. Praise God. Listen to what the king tells to Daniel in Daniel 6 and verse 20. And when he came to the den, he cried out, Who is this? The king, his boss, his secular boss. Lamenting voice to Daniel. The king spoke saying to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the... I thought you are my servant. The king knew who servant Daniel was. Though Daniel was appointed by him. Servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually. I thought he worked five days for uh, the king and on the Sabbath he served God. He says, no, I know you. You've been serving me all these years, but I also know that you are serving your God and you have been serving him continually. And he was not even mocking him. He was crying out in sorrow because he said, you know what, you are the best employee I ever had in my life. And I know that because the reason you were that, because I knew who your real boss was. Can our boss say that? 
Here's a man in a secular job. But even his enemies acknowledge he had made his secular job sacred. That's the key. That's why God sends us into the world so that our secular jobs become sacred places. Sacred places. I read about a lady who has this plaque over her kitchen sink. Over her kitchen sink. The place most people dislike going. So they hire buys. And every six months the buy says, bye bye. And you have to hire a new one. You know what was written over her kitchen sink? Divine services held here three times a day. That's how she saw washing dishes as. We don't see that. We think it's below our dignity. Hannah in the Old Testament probably turned her little dwelling into a Bible college for little Samuel. So that when he went to the temple, he was ready to serve the living God. Did we see raising children has training for future servants of God? That is a divine service. Did we see that? Because we look down upon this term, oh, you are just a housewife, as if the others are office wives. <laughs> it's a divine call, and it's a divine service. Matthew 5, 5. It's interesting, God says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. He said, I know the meek. Ruth was meek. Joseph was meek. David was meek. Daniel was meek. They made their secular spaces sacred. And they served me there because they were meek. And I was with them. And therefore a day will come when the meek will take over the earth. It won't give unto the proud and the dignified. It will be given to the meek. For they shall inherit the earth. Now that is not what the world says. The world says, if you want to rise in your workplace... We have terms in English, dog eat dog, cutthroat competition, flatter your boss, all kind of things. I don't want to use other terms, but there are lots of terms. <laughs> Meekness? No way. They will say, no, you cannot be meek, you will not rise in your workplace. But scripture says something else. He says it is the meek. Okay, Meekness? Does anybody value meekness in this world? Ruth is meek. Incredibly meek. Joseph had to be sent in chains to his workplace. David was sent by his father. Daniel was taken as a slave. Ruth and Jesus went without being sent. They said, let's go. Can I go? Can I go? Can I go? That's what I said. Ruth is a step ahead of all the saints in the Bible. One step ahead. Ruth went. Like I said in Ruth 2, 2, to the lowest in the field. The lowest job in the field is for the gleaner. In all humility and meekness. Naomi could have gone. She didn't go. Neither should her accompany. Even tell about Boaz. She could have gone with Ruth and said, this is Boaz's field and introduced herself to Boaz saying he is my redeemer and this is did nothing. She went on her own. Didn't even tell you had a redeemer. That's why the world, you have the saying, before honor, there is humility. 
Jesus in all his meekness came to serve. And he served this world and to serve his brethren. Ruth too went and became a servant. Okay? She became a servant there among the reapers at the back as a gleaner. But one day the reapers would become her servants and the field would become her own and the owner of the field would become her husband. But she didn't know. All the reapers ahead of her one day would become her servants. And the owner of the field would become her husband. And the field she worked in would become her own field. That's why the Bible says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. That's why Paul says, let me go. That's what Ruth says, let me go. Paul will say, zeal for Christ constrains me. I have to go. I have to go. Nothing is going to stop me. And Ruth was not going for herself, but for Naomi to take care of herself. Take care of her. If she wanted to take care of herself, she would have gone to Moab. But to take care of her mother-in-law, she went to. Verse 3 will say, Ruth is led by God. She happened to come to the part of the field coming, belonging to boss. If you have a willing and an obedient and a serving heart, you don't worry. God will direct your steps. He has a way of directing your steps. You will go to the right company, the right office, the right job, to the right field. You will. Because God directs your steps. It was not an accident that Rebecca is the first one on that appointed day by the well when Eliezer is waiting because she had a willing and obedient and a servant heart. And it is not by any accident that she happened to come to the field of Boaz. She's there by God, put over there. That's what scripture talks about. She's led by God to the right field where she will find grace. That's what she said in verse 2. Let me go that I might find grace. God said, you will find grace. I will lead your feet where you will find grace. That's what Psalm 25 and verse 9 says. The humble he guides in justice. And the humble he teaches his way. The humble, only the humble can be taught. The others can be, can't be taught. There are so many fields in the world. Fields of fame. Fields of money. Fields of honor. Fields of pleasure, fields of flesh, plenty. But only God can lead you to the field of the Redeemer. Where the honor is God himself. So there you see Ruth in Boaz's field. At the back, like I said, the most humiliating job gleaner. And the most difficult job gleaner. In Matthew 5 and verse 14, God said, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. He said, when I sent you into the world, what are you? You are the light. Whatever our job, wherever we go, Jesus said, this is what you are called to be. You are called to be the light. Let your light shine in your workplace. The first thing they will notice about you is the way you work. How do you work? How do you work? 
the way you are in your class, the way you are in your office is the first thing the world will notice. We have a heavenly master whose eyes range the whole earth. So Ruth chapter 2 and verse 5, scripture says, Boaz said to his servant who was in charge of the reapers, whose young woman is that? As a master, his eyes are never on the gleaner. His eyes are always on the reapers. The gleaners are the beggars. What is left is not what the master doesn't want. But he says, who is that one? Who is that one? Because she's, she's different. She's, she's working differently. Who is this one? The eyes of the Boaz and the eyes of the foreman the master of the household, both should be on the harvesters and not on the reapers. But you will see, both of them, their eyes was on one gleaner. One gleaner. Okay? Servant who is in charge of the harvest. Matthew 9, verse 38. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his house. Who is the Lord of the harvest? It is the Holy Spirit. So if Boaz is a type of Jesus Christ, the servant in charge of the reapers or the harvesters is a type of the Holy Spirit. And both their eyes are watching. And what is your job appraisal? From your company. What is our job appraisal from Jesus and the Holy Spirit? Ruth 2 verse 7. He said, this is what she said. She came to me and said, please let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came and has continued from morning until now. Though she rested a little in the house, she's from morning till now. She's been practically being working non-stop, just taking a breather for a while. I've been watching her. There are in gleaners like that. That is a hard worker. Did you ever volunteer to do extra work? Did you ever see your place as a mission? I'm not boasting. Two times I was in the world in the secular job. You can ask my principals. First thing I go into the staff room is check how many teachers, how many lecturers are absent. Then ask the HOD of that day, can I take their classes when I'm free? I never took a break. Never took a break. You had eight periods or ten periods in a college, of which you take five. But I tried to fill the other five with those who were absent because I saw that as my mission field. This is an opportunity where I can go and teach and somehow reach out to these people. I never saw it as a workplace. I always saw it as a mission field. But did you see your office as a mission field? Did you see your workplace, the real boss who is there and the real purpose you are there? Are you there for a salary? Or are you there on mission? Did you ever see? The problem is we want to flee the world. No, Jesus did not say that. He didn't say that. He said in John 17 and verse 15, he said, yeah, can we have it? I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but I should keep them from the evil one. I said, I'm not saying, Lord, take my people out of the world, but keep them from the influence of evil that is in the world. We are not separated from the world as people. 
we are separated from the ways of the world and worldliness. Instead, what do we do? We become Pharisees within the kingdom of God. We separate ourselves from the world and yet in the kingdom we are the most worldly. We are not separated us from worldly ways of worldliness. We have just physically separated ourselves from the people. Which God said, that's never something I asked you to do. I asked you to do the exactly the opposite in 17. The next verses, God will say, Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you send me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. He says, I, you come here. You learn the word. You study your word. You meditate upon the word and believe in the word and practice the word and inside. Let the Holy Spirit by the truth sanctify you from worldly ways, worldly methods and worldliness and then go straight back into the world and be the light in the world and be a model worker. Not giving just tracks out, no. The way you work, they should see and they will know. This person is different. This person is different. Yes, we know. Scripture says it very clearly. The whole world is in the power of the evil one. 1 John 5.19 says, The whole world is in the power of the evil one. Under the sway of the evil one. But the same God in the same scripture also has told us we have to Overcome, Romans, we have to overcome evil with good. We have to overcome evil with good. Yes, it is under the sway of the evil one. And we overcome evil with good. And 1 John 5, 4 will say, how do we overcome? The world by faith. We are sanctified in the house of God. We are sanctified in our personal devotions. And then we go out and we overcome the influence of the evil in the world with good. And we become the witness of the kingdom in our workplaces. And they will say, you know what? First thing they notice is that these are genuine workers. These are genuine workers. Both Joseph and Daniel got thrown in prison. For refusing to do what their earthly boss asked them to do, which they knew would violate the rules set by their heavenly boss. When they knew there was a contradiction, they said, no, we will not compromise on that. Therefore, they ended up one in the lion's den, the other in the prison. So there has to be that balance. We have to balance. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Uh, sorry, not 42, 41. Those, um, uh, 40, with many other words, he warned them, saying, and pleaded with them, save yourself from this corrupt generation. What did he say? Save yourself from this perverse generation. So you'll say, oh, I have to serve myself from this perverse generation. I'm separating. But the same God also said in Philippians 2.15, what did he say? 2 and verse 15. That you may come blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and a perverse generation. Not physically separating, but by the sanctifying work of the word of God and the spirit in the midst of them I have placed you that you will be without fault in the midst of a crooked and a perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. God does both. He will take a Jew called Joseph, a Hebrew called Joseph and a Hebrew called Daniel and send them into the secular world and teach them what work ethics are. And then when Israel fails, he will take a Moabite Gentile, bring her into Israel and teach Israelites what again work ethics are. It's both the same God. 
both the same God. How God's children are called to work and be a light in the world. And how they work. And hard work is one of it. Hard work. Nobody has died of hard work. People have died of not working hard. Young children, write it down in your diary which I gave you on 31st. Nobody has died of hard work. Write it down. Okay? And hang it in your wall when you go back home. So Ruth in 2.7, she was a hard worker. A righteous worker. She doesn't take things on her own hand where she has no authority. She will go through what we say in official terms through proper channel. Proper channel goes through. That's all meekness. There is humility. There are a lot of people who work hard but they have no humility. They will go over the head of their boss and do things without asking permission and then get into trouble. And then again offended. I was only working hard. But God said you didn't ask permission. Okay. So you're a hard worker, but you're not meek. Here she's meek and she's a hard worker. She didn't ask them, when is the lunch break? How long is your lunch break? Young ladies and gentlemen, how long is your lunch break? Proverbs 31, verse 13. She seeks wool and flax and willingly works with her hands. Can be man or woman, okay, the church. And verse 27, she watches over the ways of a household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Bread of idleness. I don't know how long people will eat this bread. I don't know how people can sit in one place for hours and do nothing. They don't do drugs. They don't take cocaine. They don't do anything. But if you look at their eyes, they look as if they are stoned. How can you? Eating the bread of? You didn't know there was that kind of a bread also written in the Bible. There are different kinds of bread in the Bible and one of the worst bread is this. What is this? Bread of idleness. You need to understand this very clearly, children of God. I am telling you, don't get offended. God has no use for the lazy. He has never called a single lazy person anywhere in scripture. Joseph was chosen. When? When he was willing to serve his brothers. David was chosen when? When he was willing to serve his father and his brothers. Moses was ex-prince of Egypt was chosen when he was feeding sheep for 40 years. Elisha was chosen when he was plowing the land with 12 yoke of oxen. Disciples were fishing and cleaning their nets, having fished the whole night and cleaning their nets in the morning. Matthew, when he was called, was right at his tax booth. God has never called a sluggard lying in his bed and say, wake up, I need you. He's never done that. Never done that. You need to realize that. If you're not a hard worker and a sincere worker, forget the call of God in your life. It's not going to happen. Ephesians 6.5 How does God watch? Born servants be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh. It doesn't matter what his age or her age is. It doesn't matter. Have you been put under somebody? Obey them. 
Now that's going to happen in today's world. Because the professionals are getting younger and younger by the day. Your boss may be 20 years younger than you. It makes no difference. And I'm not going to share it over and over again. When I went to the secular space, my bosses were much younger to me. And second time, it was my student who was my boss. I taught him 10 years earlier. He was my boss. Made no difference to me. Never sat in his presence until he told me, sir, please sit down. Never did. You kept that line very, very clearly. Absolutely clearly. It makes no difference. Because all of us need to get these things in our heart because we have major issues. And why we do not, we see these stumbling blocks where we are not able to prosper. When unlike the unbelieving worker in the workplace who doesn't have grace, we have grace. We have grace. The very power of the Holy Spirit available for us to progress in a workplace and we are light. That's the key. That's the key. Colossians 3.23 how do we serve? Whatever you do, do it. What does it mean? Joyfully. Do you enjoy your work? I enjoyed my work, ministry and secular. Don't tell me I enjoy only ministry. I enjoy it much more. Because I'm not directly involved in the father's business. But I enjoyed my secular job also. Enjoyed it. Enjoyed it. I was never a kamchor. Never. I enjoyed my work. Though it was physically incredibly tiring. My day began at 4 in the morning, ended at 11.30 in the night because I'm having two shifts. Day shift with the secular world, night shift with the underground church. Every day, seven days a week, no break. It didn't bother because I enjoyed my work both because I knew who my boss was. Enjoyed it. And you have to enjoy your work if you know who your boss is. Scripture says, whatever you do, whatever you do, even if it is cleaning nappies. Do it heartily. As to the Lord and not to men. Ecclesiastic 9 and verse 10. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with might. For there is no work or device or knowledge or wisdom in the grave where you are going. Now is the time to work. Do it with all your might. If you have trusted God and keep humbling yourself, then irrespective of your circumstances, you are where you are by the divine will of God. The same God who led Daniel to Babylon, Joseph to Egypt, and also led Ruth to Boaz field, will also lead you and me. And that places became their platform to witness. And you need to realize these three people affected their whole nation. There is dignity in work. Get that head in your head over and over again. Whatever is work, that work is. Dignity is not associated with the nature of the work. You bring dignity to the work you do doesn't matter how menial it may be. Dignity is not in the work. Dignity is in you. You bring dignity to the work. Gleaning, like I said, was the most despised and most depressing. But both Boaz and the foreman, their eyes were on Ruth the Moabite. The problem is, we almost think about work as punishment. And as punishment for sin. No. Did you read Genesis 2.15 differently? 
and the lord took man and put him in the garden of eden okay the the the, the one before that okay 215 which is good god put man to work hmm? verse 8 verse 8 to 8 it's an interesting verse read that again god god so what is god is a farmer what is he is a farmer who doesn't commit suicide by the way unlike in india because he doesn't take bad loans god is a farmer and he doesn't find anything obnoxious about it it's not below his dignity to plant a garden have you ever taken that implement with which you dig earth do you know its name at least have you ever soiled your hands with mud god has no issues understand what dignity means jesus humble carpenter humble carpenter and jesus tells his pharisees tells the pharisees in john chapter 5 verses 16 to 17 he says for this reason the jews persecuted jesus and sought to kill him because he had done these things on sabbath that's what we do we are pharisees because if anybody makes us work on a week weekend we want to kill them this is my holiday how can you make me work we we you have to read it differently and connect it to us because we love our rest how can you call me back from a vacation how can you make me work on my rest and jesus said my father has been working until now and i have been working i said you guys never understood we never stop working we rest but that doesn't mean we stop working we haven't dignified rest above work he says no He said the problem with you guys is you work so that you can rest and what you are looking forward to is rest. He says no we rest so that we can work so we are looking forward to work. Start changing the way you think. You will prosper here and there. God and his son loves to work. The Holy Spirit loves to work. The question is do we? It's a very important question. Do we love work? The work we do, do we love to work? Why? Why? Parable 25, Matthew 25, 21. The Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over. On earth you had little work. Now I am going to give you more work. If you don't like how to work, how are you going to get more work in eternity with a body that will never go tired? I love working and I am looking for more work and I will never have to tire or sleep. Understand this more work service eternity in the father's business is going to be given to people who love working now who faithfully work who cheerfully work heartily work and enjoy working not just endure because everybody thinks that reigning in the eternal kingdom is that he will given be a hammock and a this thing a crown and cherubims will playing the harp and that's how you'll be lying in the clouds for eternity no you will be working you'll be working but if you don't like working what work can he give you yes we need rest so that we can work more and not escape work we just don't end your work we enjoy our work and the reason we enjoy our work is not because we get our satisfaction from the work it's because we know who our boss is 
that's where our joy comes from that's where scripture says moses was faithful in the whole household of god as a servant but jesus was faithful as a son so our faithfulness should exceed that of moses moses could only be called servant of god or friend of god but are we sons and daughters of god so we should have this incredible joy i'm working for my dad i'm working for my father colossians 3:23 we also know therefore whatever you do as to the lord and not to the man man please understand washing mopping feeding your babies cooking it civil service government private mnc it doesn't matter what is your base there is dignity and there is joy because you know who your boss is yes it is true hebrews 11:10 it is true for he waited for the city which has foundation whose builder and maker is god it is true who is that abraham he knew but he is working hard down here we become like always gazing into the horizon lord when are you coming when are you coming when i am coming and become lazy over here he said i didn't tell you that i didn't tell you that i said you need to be working hard while putting your hope in the future many are like the jews in babylon you know how the jews were in babylon one set of them in psalm 137 verses 1 to 4 by the rivers of babylon they we sat down we wept when we remembered zion we hung up our harps upon the willows in the midst of it and for those who carried us away captive asked us a song and those who plundered us requested mirth saying sing us one of the songs of zion how shall we sing the lord's song in the foreign land oh there are so many christians like that in their mncs they say hey sing one of your church songs here no yaar how can i sing a song here this is like a prison for me i can only sing at church no you can sing in your office these songs you have hung up everything hallelujah hallelujah on sunday tomorrow they'll go to office like this oh god said no you should be able to sing there too but songs of zion should be able to rejoice in your workplace you don't have to sing their songs and be like them you can sing the songs of the kingdom and be rejoicing over there and if they tell we have a program here can you sing i said yeah, of course i will sing but i will only sing my song i will sing my song that's our issue we don't understand because they saw them themselves as exiles and there are people believers who see their offices as places of exile their colleagues as captors and tormentors they never saw it isn't it awesome the babylonians are asking us to sing a song of zion boy take the harp let's sing a song that they will know about our god so many people are just waiting in their offices waiting for god to come and rescue them but they forgot what god said to them and to us in jeremiah chapter 29 verses 4 to 7 thus says the lord of hosts the god of israel to all who were carried away captive whom i have caused to be carried away from jerusalem to babylon it is i who caused you to be moved from point a to point b it is i who sent you into the world into your office into your mnc i who sent you there for what build houses dwell in them plant gardens eat their fruit prosper there do well there work hard prosper do well there but yeah take wives beget sons daughters take wives for son okay that they may that you may increase there 
Your purpose to be sent there that the kingdom of God increases there, not decrease. You are not called to withdraw. You are called to activate in your workplaces. Increase, not decrease. And also, you and I pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Israel would be always looking at Jerusalem and crying and praying over Jerusalem. But God also said, seek the peace of the city where I have caused you to be carried away has kept you. Do you pray for Hyderabad? Do you pray for the cities where God has placed you? Yes, we pray for peace in Jerusalem. But do we pray for the cities where God has caused us to be? Why? Because for in its peace, you will have peace. When there is peace here, we have peace. We also experience the same peace. He said, did you see that as me placing you in different places? If you are with Microsoft, pray for the peace of Microsoft. Because if there is peace in Microsoft, it affects you too. If it has peace in your school, good shepherd, it affects you too. If it is peace in your college, it affects you too. He said, you are called to be peacemakers and increase over there. And pray for the peace of the places where you, you feel like a captive there. Fine, but I put you there. You serve me there, you increase there, and pray for the peace of that place, even as the kingdom expands. That's how you get involved. Instead, what do we do? We copy all the ways of the world, and the worldliness, and then say, as a people, we are separated from the world. God says, you are of no effect. Absolutely no effect in the world. I did not send you. I said you be separated from the ways of the world and worldliness and then go as sanctified vessels, holy vessels, noble vessels back into the world and you be my witnesses, my light over there. That is the question. Is that what we are? Because there is grace in the workplace, not disgrace. Joseph had incredible grace available. Daniel had incredible, and even Ruth found grace. We have to do good while we are here. He will come one day to take us to that city. Whose builder is God? In the meantime, we work hard. We do good to the people. We preach the gospel of the kingdom in the city. We care for the sick in the city. We feed the poor of the city. We show kindness to the old and the infirm. We take care of the orphans. We gather regularly to encourage one another. Knowing that... One day, that city we are longing for will come. But in the meantime, we are working hard over here in the places where God has placed us as his witness, as his light. Why? Because we know one day ultimately he will reward us according to the work we have done. That is very clear. In Romans 2.6, he will say, Romans 2.6, not Jeremiah. Who will render to each one according to your deeds? What did you do? Your reward. And finally, Revelation 22.12. Again, behold, I am coming quickly and my reward is with me to give everyone according to his work. How did you work? We are not talking about what you did in church. No. What you did in the world. What did you do? We will have favor with God. If we go to the workplace with kingdom ethics, that's what we see in scripture. In Ruth 2, And verse 8, Boaz said to Ruth, You will listen, my daughter, will you not? Do not go to glean in another field. No, go from here. Stay close by my young women. He says, who is saying? The honor of your head of your company is saying, Stay here, you will prosper. I see you work and you will prosper. 
you will don't move no that's the difference with our parents generation and today's generation today generally by the they have worked for 10 years have shifted 15 companies our parents in 15 years worked for one company don't move will you not listen do not go to glean in another field nor go from here now all you young people in schools colleges companies listen carefully to the original boss boss was a type of jesus christ telling you how to function in your workplaces one stay where you're working hard you're appreciated two stay close by young women he says stay in safe company don't go around and flirt with the young men ruth stay with my young women stay with my young women don't hang around with the this crowd and then come and complain that he said this to me he touched me inappropriately stay on the right side of the fence you stay and do what i tell you verse 9 let your eyes be on the field which they reap and go after them have i not commanded the young men not to touch you you have divine protection from sexual harassment because this is what happening in workplaces that's why they have all these cameras and security and all but god says you know what you my children i will protect you from harassment you will have protection if you work for me in your workplaces you will be protected you will be protected why i have commanded the young men not to touch you they will know whose you are who has given the order not not and when you are thirsty go to the vessels and drink from whatever the young men have drawn he says you have free access to your company canteen vouchers what sodex whatever this thing no he says you would read it in today's terms he says you do well you will do if you stay here you will do well don't move words 10 she fell on her face bowed why have i found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me since i am a foreigner why lord me why simply because you are meek and you are hard worker why why have you picked me why have you showing so much favor to me i am a foreigner what does he say Boaz answered and said to her it has been fully reported to me all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband i've heard your testimony of home i've heard your testimony about your home i hope you have treated your mother-in-law not mother mother in law since the death of your husband of course like i said last time 3 weeks back every daughter will treat her mother-in-law when her husband is around But your husband is dead and you have left your father and your mother your parents are alive he said i haven't seen this kindness in israel a daughter-in-law whose husband is dead taking care of a mother-in-law who is a foreigner and is following the mother-in-law to her country it's been fully reported to me i've heard what you have given up and how you have served i've heard i had heard how you have served in your home now i have seen how you served in the field your testimony is the same at home you are a hard worker at office you are a hard worker you got the same 
testimony. What will he say? In verse 12, May the God of Israel richly reward you. Repay for your work. A full reward to be given. He says, you know, the kind of work you have done, I cannot reward you. That's beyond me. Because that's the kind of work you have done, young lady. I can give you some barley, I can give you corn and all, but the work you have done, only God can reward because that is incredible. Let him repay your work, a full reward will be given to you by the God of Israel, under whom you have taken shelter. You see, we began on Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2 and 3. When you mix faith with what you hear and translate it into work, you will find rest. You will find rest. That's how we find rest in our workplaces. Because we know who our boss is and how we work. Luke 12 and 37 as we come to the end. Blessed are those servants whom the master when he comes will find watching. What does it mean? It means he's still at work and still keeping them ready for the call of God. They're ready for rapture, yet Working hard at their workplace where God has appointed them. Blessed are those servants whom the master when he comes will find watching. Assuredly I say to you that he will gird himself and have them sit down to eat and will come and serve them. What will he do? He says when I come and I know that you have been a noble vessel of honor towards me. And that you have been working hard being my testimony. I myself will come and serve you. Ruth chapter 2 and verse 14. And Boaz said to her at mealtime, come here. Eat of the bread. Dip your piece of bread in the vinegar. So she sat beside the reapers and he passed parched grain to her and she ate and was satisfied and kept some back. Who is she? A Moabite widow. Practically a beggar. Gleaning in somebody's field. How did her first day out in the field end? How did it end? How did it end? That's what God is talking about. We have to look up. If you look to the left or to the right, look at your earthly boss and your earthly mistress, we will never be consistent in our work. And we will become eye pleasers. And we will shirk. And God who prospers us cannot prosper us. God is the one who... On the other hand, if we are consistent with God and we are serving Him, whether we don't call it secular or sacred, it's one space for believers. It's the kingdom of God. Because the kingdom of God is within you and me. Where we go, we take the kingdom with us so God can. God can prosper us. That's how we look. God is not a respecter of person. Anyone who comes to Him, if He believes, God says, I will use you for my kingdom, for my glory. So remember, in our workplaces, whatever work may be, maybe a housewife, you may be a CEO, you may be in the private sector, you may be in, a, in the government, you may be a student in a school or a college, there is grace, not a disgrace. There is grace in your workplace. There is a heavenly father, there is a heavenly boss and a foreman, God's Lord of the harvest watching. How we work, how we perform, so that He can lift us up and give us rest. You and I need rest in our homes, in our workplaces. We need rest. We don't, we don't have to, we don't have to look forward to rest like the world does in entertainment. Not TGIF. 
know what TGIF is, right? You know the two versions of TGIF. Thank God it is Friday. Thank God I am favored. Is the kingdom version. Thank God I am favored. But I'm favored. I'm glad. I have more and more work, Lord. More and more work. Not less. More and more. We thrill that we can serve our God. Everywhere he sends us. To be lights. To be witnesses. In this crooked and perverse generation. Shall we stand? Shall we pray? Father, this morning, we stand in your presence. And I pray, Father, each one standing. There would be a humbling within. A putting away of self. A surrender before your throne. We don't seek a name. We don't seek fame. We are not seeking wealth. We are seeking your name. Your honor, your glory. For as you taught us to pray for thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory. Wherever you have sent us, we will not hang our harps. We will not see those place people as our captors. We will see them as people to whom you have sent us. Babylon did not take Israel captive because Babylon was strong. Babylon took Israel captive because God gave Israel into Babylon's hand. Wherever we are, I pray we are where you have sent us. We are not captives of this world. We are captives of your love and of your will in our lives. You have put us in places to prosper us, not to harm us. Not to bring disgrace to your name, but to bring glory and honor to your name. For that, O Lord, there is grace and favor for your people. I commit everyone here today in your house, young and old, whatever the status in this world may be. Student or worker or a parent, doesn't matter. Or a housewife, doesn't matter. There is grace and there is joy and there is strength for the work you have called us to do. And there will be always provision in abundance. Because our Father, our Lord Jesus and the Spirit of God is watching us. To favor us, to prosper us, not to deduct and to harm. Both Boaz and the foreman was watching Ruth. At the end of the day, when Ruth went back home, not only had she eaten and was satisfied, she had taken so much back for Naomi too. And that's your promise to every true worker. You will have not only enough to eat and to take care of yourself, but more than enough to feed others. Because I have blessed you to be a blessing. To be a blessing. For you told us in the new covenant it's more blessed to give than to receive. We cannot be givers unless you have given us first. And you cannot prosper us unless we put the kingdom first. I pray this year your children will prosper. They will increase in their workplaces. Their testimony will shine in a wicked world. That we will pray 
and seek the peace of the cities we live in so that that peace may be our portion too. We will be the hands and the feet of Jesus in this city. We may be small, but we are not weak because your strength is available for us. We can go wherever you send us. We can do everything you ask us to do. Nothing is off limit. And impossible if we believe. I pray, Father, the hands of your church will be strengthened even more in this third month. And we will serve the people in the city even more. More souls will come. More beggars will not only be fed, but will also hear the gospel and will be prayed over. More sick will not only be taken care of, but also will be prayed and hear the gospel of the eternal kingdom. More mothers, widows will be taken care of. More, more Lord. Because we truly want to be the hands and feet of Christ Jesus. In our workplaces, I pray these young people will stand that they have a word of encouragement for those who are depressed in their workplaces, like Joseph had for the cupbearer and for the baker. Like Daniel, like his friends, like Joseph who will serve his brothers, like David who will serve his brothers. The true servants will arise in this church. Where one day, Lord, you will be able to say, yes, I see that little church in the middle of Hyderabad. Everyone in that church is a servant. And not a master. A servant. Whom you can make masters one day. Everyone who will surrender their lives and say, Lord, here I am. Help me to serve. Seeking no rewards on earth. But the joy of serving my king joy and strength and grace and provision unlimited is available for those who want to serve in your kingdom for your word says about your own son that you gave him the spirit without measure that the Holy Spirit filled Jesus with power and he went around healing the sick and doing good to all people And I pray it will be each one of our testimony filled with the Holy Spirit and going around and doing good to all people. Bless your people. Stretch forth your hands and meet them, Lord, at their point of need. Strengthen those who are weak. Give boldness and courage to those who are weak and timid. Healing for bodies that are infirm. Richness, fatness for souls that are lean. Above all, a spirit that is tender and sensitive to the whisper of the Holy Spirit. Continuously sanctify us, O Lord, by your spirit and by your word. Continuously, O Father, sanctify us that we may go back right into the world tomorrow as your vessels to be a light in a dark world. To be the hands of Jesus 
into a wounded, sick and grieving world. Healing and blessing. And yet hard workers by those who have appointed us. So that they will know who our king is. Yet allow nobody to steal our song. For the joy of the Lord is our strength. We will never sing, stop singing. Whether we are at home or in Babylon or in prison. We'll always have a song in our heart. Because we know who we are and whose we are. We know. We know where we are going. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. As we go into another month, go before us. Make every crooked path straight. Let each one experience your presence and your rest. And know that God is with them. You commit especially tomorrow, the wedding into thy hands. The first wedding mentioned in the new covenant, you were there. The first act of ministry was to go to a wedding. So Father, once again, as a church, we invite you to the wedding tomorrow. Come Lord Jesus, sanctify that place by your presence. So many who do not know you will be there tomorrow. And I pray, Father, more than anything that we can sing or say or do, your presence will touch them. That they will go back saying, there was something different in that place yesterday. There was something different. Their God was there. Come, Lord Jesus. Oh, Lord, come with us. Sup with us. We are your temple. We are your kingdom. Come with us, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you. We praise you. We worship you. Now as your people, we lift up holy hands. And we bless your holy name. We bless your holy name. We bless your holy name. For in Jesus' precious name, O Father, we pray. Amen. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with each one of us. Amen. Amen.